Aloha and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Got Your Six podcast. This podcast brings together current service members and veteran high performers to share their methods, strategies, and ideas delivered in an informative and most importantly, actionable way that'll help you lead yourself and those around you from the battlefield to the boardroom. Coming to you every episode, I'm your host, Tony Nash, and into the breach. Nothing mentioned on this podcast is an endorsement or opinion of the Department of Defense. I got your six, we got your back. Got your six, we got your back. Got your six, we got your back. I got your six. Sixers, today's episode is truly special. This is someone who I look to uh, not only for inspiration, but guidance constantly. A fellow podcaster, Fran Retropi, the host of the Jedbird Podcast, is here. Fran, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thanks for having me, Tony. This is a great opportunity. I love what you're doing here. Thank you. And now we got to switch it, right? You're on the mic still, but just on a different side of it. I'm not used to this side. Right. Normally, I ask the questions. And sometimes people have said to me, I have a question for you. And I think it was Chris Miller, who's like the former Secretary of Defense, I looked at at one point and was like, I'm asking the questions here. So speaking of reversing roles, this is something you're also kind of used to because being a, a Green Beret and now you know, personal and performance development, coaching, mentoring, working with elite athletes, top tier companies. How does this all work? How did we get here? My desire has always been to create impact. And when you look at where, who do you want to be? Who do you want to, you know, I always say, who do you want to be when you grow up and what do you want to be? And for me, it was always about creating impact. You know, when I was in undergrad, I went to Boston University. I studied journalism. I wanted to be a reporter. I wanted to be a war correspondent after 9-11 happened. 9-11 was my junior year. And I had a decision to make come up on, you know, fall of my senior year. And it was and it was that, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I said, well, if I want to be a war correspondent, eventually, I can't just go do that. So I got to go to like Bangor, Maine. No offense against anybody if they're from Bangor, Maine. It's a beautiful place. Yeah. <laughs> but it, that that's kind of the situation. You go out into a very small market and you got to cut your teeth. And, you know, that's great. I mean, so many, everything we do in life requires that. Or you got to start at the bottom. And, you know, I think that's a big thing we face with right now with in performance development is people who come in and they're like, well, I need to be a manager. You know, like, yeah, but you don't know anything. It's like, well, I studied it. Okay, great. Well, now you can learn it on the job. So you got to go do that. Uh, but the choice I had to make was I can go do that or I can go to this thing called Army Officer Candidate School, figure that out and go be a leader in the Army. And if I want to be a journalist one day and create impact, that way I could do it later on. So that's what I chose to do and went to Officer Candidate School, went into the infantry and eventually went into Special Forces. My window came up and got to create impact all over the world. And that was a tremendous opportunity for me and something that uh, I think set the conditions for so many other things I've done in my life. Right. And taking that impact that you constantly create is, like you said, the continuation of what you do daily from the military. Everything you were doing, whether it was in the infantry or, you know, as a special forces, Green Beret, you're constantly creating impact. Hey, you, you look at where do you fit in? You know, you can look at organizations. So I was, I'm working with, with, a, with a company right now on developing their talent management and their performance development uh, within their executive team. And that's a lot of the question that I ask after I ask a whole bunch of questions about how does the organization run? How do you fit in? How does your team work? Where, where are your opportunities? Where are your challenges? And then I say, how can I bring value? Now that I've told you what my perspective is and given you kind of my analysis, when you look at me, where do you think I can bring the most value into your department or your organization? And I think that that creates a bond. It creates a trust. 
And when you have that with somebody, then you can actually begin to move forward. You can build a community amongst the people that you're trying to influence. And then you actually provide something that they need. You know, I think a lot of people go into organizations and you see a lot, even in the military, you know, the military is the best at switching leaders, right? Switch leaders every 12 to, you know, 18, 24 months at most. And when you go in, you get these commanders who come in and they come in in two different ways, right? The ones who come in and say, I know what I have to do here. You know, and then the ones who come in, they understand and assess the organization. And they say, well, based on my skill set, where do I bring value? Because I can't do everything. I'm not going to be good at everything. But if I have strengths in these couple of things, are there opportunities within this organization for me to drive impact in those areas? And then can I do it in the time frame that I'm allowed to do it in? And I, and I take that approach into organizations that I work with because it's easy to look at an organization, especially when you're an external and say, all these things are wrong with this organization. Okay, maybe, or maybe you don't understand it well enough to assess that, or maybe you're role, what you've been asked to do is not to fix all of those other things. Maybe it's to focus on one aspect. And so I always try to ground myself in that and then look and say, what value do you see in having a conversation with me? And then how can we drive that forward? And that's part of who you talk to on your podcast, right? It's those transformational leaders. And that a big tenant of that is everyone always has the same, like, how can I provide value to you? It's not looking for anything in return. Obviously, sometimes the role is a little bit different, especially if you're a consultant, but you really want to try to solve and diagnose the problem as opposed to a symptom. Yes. A lot of people who I talk to, you know, and we have been so fortunate to have such an amazing group of guests on the podcast, but everybody who comes on and, you know, partially because of the way we select who comes on, you know, it's kind of like one of those things where we wouldn't have them on if they didn't align with our values, but it really is about, you know, how are they impacting the world, society, uh, you know, their industry, their sports teams. And so you hear this general theme of people who are coming on and they're saying, you know, what do I bring to the organization? What do I bring to society? What, what do I bring to journalism? What do I bring to social activism? What do I bring to my football team, my baseball team versus an attitude of, well, I'm, I'm here and I'm in it for me. Yeah. Being that self-aware to be able to, to go in there and say, Hey, tell me what you need. We'll create this solution together. Do you think that when you talk about impact a lot, what has impacted you the most in your life? Was it a person, like a book? Is it something that that kind of built that inside of you or is it just created itself over time? I say you're a victim of your experiences. People often look at me and they're like, what does that mean? You're a victim. It's like, no, not a victim. And like someone did something to you. It means that you learn from your experiences. So you know, we, we talk uh, about the nine characteristics of elite performance as defined by special operations. And one of those that we talk about a lot in the podcast is what we call effective intelligence. And effective intelligence is that this, the aggregate of all your experience in the past shape your decision-making and how you view the future and how you actually analyze things, you understand them, and then you actually make decisions based on what you've done that then helps you to triage, collate information, and then move forward. I think everything you do in your life shapes you in some ways. It affects you in some ways. I would say that probably two defining moments for me, because I don't think there's some people will have one, you know, I think I don't have maybe necessarily one. I look at, I look at life in terms of a chapter, you know, and like your life's a book, you know, it's, and there's, there's a, there's a beginning and unfortunately there's a defined end and within that life and within that book, you're going to have different chapters and every, and every opportunity and every period of your life is going to start and end a new chapter. 
And I think within each one of those things, what you have a defining moment, you have something that shapes you, you have something that teaches you a set of lessons or values that closes that chapter and then opens up another one. And so I can look at you know my early childhood, I can look at my career and I mean, my college career, I can look at my military career, I can look at my post-military career, and each one of these have defining moments. For me in college, I was on the rowing team and I've spoken a lot about this you know, to a few different people and on a couple of episodes, but like, yeah, rowing is hard. I mean, Olympic silver medalist, Jevy Stone said, you know, people are bonded by hard things, right? Nobody comes together when everything's easy. Rowing was something that I honestly do believe set the conditions for so much of, you know, you can call it success or anything that I did and my mental and physical ability to not only to be strong and be resilient and adaptable, all came from rowing. This is a sport where most people go to college and they party and you know they go out four nights a week and you know they focus on their grades a little bit. But when you become a student athlete in a division one program, especially like rowing, where you have a fall season and a spring season. And at Boston University, which is like that's a top rowing program in and of itself. Yeah, that that's your life, uh, and you've got to commit to that life. And and the level at which you have to perform has very little, little margin of error. And the difference between the athletes is is, is so close, uh, and the stakes are very high. And so, can you go out there every day and push yourself to the limit? Can you understand what your physical limit is? And then, just by nature, there is no other sport like rowing that takes you from you know a complete stop in resting heart rate to lactic acid failure in a matter of about five and a half minutes, six minutes. And so it instills in you so much about just personal grit, grind, never quit. Uh, And then you race side by side and you get instant feedback about your performance as an individual, as a team, and the preparation that you put into being in that moment. And if you can't hang, you watch it go right by you. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, there's so much feedback that comes in just from that one event. And then you're going constantly back and that grind just repeats itself over and over and over again. So now that, you know, you're in the boat, you're, you know, on the rivers of Boston, what are you working on now, you know, to continue to work on that, you know, effective intelligence piece? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, Cause I'm always about personal learning. I think learning is something that we can never get away from. Some people read to learn. Some people have experiences to learn. I think for in my early uh, in my earlier life, certainly in college, it was all about reading. How much can I read? How much knowledge can I intake? And then I went through a very long period where it was like I don't have time to read, or I'm too focused on other stuff, and I'm building a career in the military, and I'm you know, doing all these other things. And so my I think knowledge came from being in the moment and having experiences. Well, now that. I'm out and I'm focused on building a business. I'm focused on interviewing people and learning from them. I think learning comes not only from having important conversations about people's lives and their experiences and their perspectives, but it also comes from doing an incredible amount of research and reading, which is what, which I do on everybody that I talk to. But then there's also the experience piece and that's in building a business. And so I'm building a business right now with uh, another guy from uh, 10th group who served with me there. And then we've served you know, in a couple of different places since we got out and you know, we're working together to build our company. And you know, some days we have a tremendous amount of focus. Other days we're like, what opportunities are out there and let's go after them. And no matter what you do, whether it's 
you know, in security or whether it's in some sort of government contracting or a service provider, right? we look at all these things and we say, well, we're learning from these experiences and we're figuring out, you know, what works, how do we develop proper business plans? How do we do, you know, how do, how do we raise funds? How do we get investment? How do we interact with shareholders? So there's always this state of learning that comes from growing and being, you know, you're something new. And that's, that's what we're constantly seeking to do. So with that new knowledge, right, it usually ends up building either habits, beliefs, or behaviors, you know, as you're constantly seeking these new opportunities and looking at new things and taking in all these pieces of data, what is kind of that output being over the last five years that has been the most impactful? I see the opportunity. I'm a glass half full guy. And I look at every opportunity and I say, well, if there's a remote chance that we know someone who might be able to do this, we should, we should jump on it. And, and my business partner is constantly like, stop. We don't have time to do that. We have to focus on the things that we're good at. You know, we have to focus on creating that, you know, there, there's a process in here. We have to focus on what we can deliver. You know, and my point is, I know, but if we line up like, 15 things and we put maximum effort into all of them, then we only need like a couple of them to succeed. And if they all succeed, then we've knocked it out of the park. So I I think one of the biggest things that you got to be able to do when you think like this is you do have to be able to take a step back and say, what has the highest likelihood of success? What has the highest opportunity for us to actually have some concrete measurable metrics that we can say, yes, we've achieved something in this and there's some sort of return. Um, And also focus on what you're good at. Being in special forces, being a Green Beret gives you so many skills. And I will say one of the most important skills that it gives you is adaptability. The ability to look at any situation and say, I'll find a solution to this. I say that, but I will also say that in so many areas, that's incredibly useful and required and and is a non-negotiable part of your your character. But I'll also say that as an entrepreneur, it's probably also can be your biggest weakness because it's where you try to take on too much. It's where you look at it and you say, well, there's 24 hours in this day and there's absolutely no reason why I can't get 25 hours out of it. And that it ends up in a situation where you're doing a lot of things and probably not all of them are being done to the level of which you expect to yourself. And so you're actually hurting your ability to be successful in them. So can you take those opportunities, triage them down into something that is actually manageable with all the other constraints that you have, right? You know, family, uh, downtime, you know, doing things besides sitting in front of your computer, trying to, to make products and, you know, develop things, all those things take a toll over time. And it's like you said, that tactical pause with allowing yourself enough grace and self-awareness to have, you know, we'll say it white space on your calendar in order to do those things that also fulfill you family, all the other like different things. Yeah. But then when you're in that situation, when you're in that white space, what I've had to constantly remind myself is that's okay. It's okay if I don't do something right now. Cause what I'll find, what I have found myself doing is sitting on the couch, watching TV with my son or, you know, playing lacrosse with my daughter. Uh, and then in the back of my mind, I'll be saying, Whoa, well, if I was inside, I could be doing these three things and achieving something. And it's like, no, you got to stop. You can't do those things. You've got to focus. This stuff is important too. This stuff is probably even more important. Right? These days you don't get back. There's always time to go read another book, prepare for another interview, you know, look at another series of you know, investment opportunities. Your kid's a kid once. 
you know, those, those opportunities are going to go away. And before you know it, you know, they're going to start talking back to you and telling you that you're wrong about everything you do. And then you're going to, and then you're going to want to walk away and go back to all those other things. Yeah. So with all that being said, right, like being able to know like, hey, I can always look for other opportunities again, but I have to be here. Where along the lines have you not done that well? With all the successes that you've had, there's been many more failures. At least that's what I've seen from people who have succeeded and done very well. They're like, oh, I have a stack of successes, but my failures is 10x what you see. It has to be. You know, I mean, what I'll say is that I think anybody who tells you that they've never failed uh, is one of two things. No, number one, they're lying, uh, which is first and foremost, I would say, well, they're well, they're lying. Uh, and number two, I would probably say that if they truly believe that they've never failed, then they never probably tried hard enough. You know, when when do you push your? You know, you you, you got to go until the point in which you understand your limit. And the only way to understand that limit is is to push beyond it, is to fail. Uh, and I think you can take that in terms of physical, right? If you're training, you know, in physical training. I mean, you know, I talked about rowing. I mean, rowing took you to the point in which you failed. I mean, you your body gave out, and then you knew, like, this is my maximum limit. All right, I had nothing left. Now I can take a step back reassess, figure out how to improve it, and then elevate that bar, but also uh, mentally and emotionally, right. You know, in your professional life and your job and your work, you know, it's not as concrete as an, as an athletic performance, but you have to assess and understand this, the opportunities that are before you. And with a sense of humility, analyze your performance in them. I've not been successful in everything that I did. Um, you know, I mean, I got out of the army, I went to business school, I had a great time there. And, you know, I went and to, uh, after that, and I worked at Snapchat and I had a great experience for a year and a half there. And, you know, that didn't end well for me because I pushed too far. You know, I pushed too far. I tried to do too much and tried to do it too quickly. And, you know, it wasn't in line with what people wanted. And so you have to learn from those experiences. You know, I, you know, subsequently went and had an opportunity to go build a vertically integrated cannabis company and, you know, market, you know, the, the market was right. The opportunity was right. Everything was there, but timing was wrong. Uh, you know, people were wrong. There was, uh, you know, there, there was a lot of factors that went into that. And, you know, despite your best efforts to try to make it work, sometimes it doesn't, you know, and there's always somebody above you in so many different situations. And most, you know, most companies you go work for, there's always someone above you who has a larger vote than you do. And when they have a larger vote than you do, sometimes it's not your decision. I like how you finish with a vote piece, right? One thing you do have a vote in is how you're better than yesterday. And you've talked about that in many different ways from rowing, you know, making sure you're spending time with a family while still working on business opportunities and ventures that you want, you want to pursue. But today, Fran, how are you better than yesterday? I say how you prepare today determines success tomorrow. That's the tagline of my company. That's the tagline of the Jedbro podcast. If you are not better today than you were yesterday, a year ago, you know, 10 years ago, right? Uh, then something has seriously gone wrong. There is a reason why they're called you know, senior leaders in the military. There's a reason why general officers are 30 years older than privates. General Linder, you know, who I had referenced that there's two defining moments in my life. And the second one of those was working for General Jim Linder when he was the SOC Africa, the Special Operations Command Africa commander, and I was his aide. And he would tell me all the time, something comes from being on earth longer. And maybe you don't have the answers all the time, nor should you. Uh, and maybe they're not even the right answers when you do have the answers, but you still have an element of knowledge and understanding and how to analyze and, and assess and 
and evaluate a situation and the decisions that have to go into finding the right answer that sometimes you don't have when you're, I hesitate to say younger, but I'll say more immature. We see so many leaders today who are very young leaders, very young CEOs, very young people who are leading and founding amazing organizations. And so I don't like to use the word younger because I think it's not about being young. It's about being experienced. Have you sat in the seat with the requirements that the job has with the level of accountability and responsibility commensurate with the role to truly understand what you're being asked to do? To answer your question, how am I better? I'm a better I'm a better family person than I have been ever. And that's in terms of being a father, being a husband, you know, being a son. Um, there were so many years of my life where it was about me. And some days, you know, I won't lie, you know, certainly still is. And my wife will tell me that it's, it's not always about you. Uh, and, and it's hard to, to always get out of that. But I believe that today, I have put much more time, energy, and focus into being there for my kids, being there for my wife, being part of a family and developing a family that is a cohesive unit than I have in the past where I was much more focused on what's in it for me. And that's changed so much of my perspective on everything that I do. Right. And like you said, it then goes back into all that experience and being a victim of what you've been through to then relook at a situation again. Yeah. But you got to understand too that that comes with a sacrifice of time. You know, I mean, all the, the, the 20 squeezing the 25 hours into the 24 hour day was doable when I only cared about myself. And, you know, when I talked about general Linder and when I was his aide, I worked, I worked 24, 25 hours a day and that was it, but there was no one else around it. You know, I didn't have anybody to affect, but me, and now that's not the case. And so I've tried to manage and temper my expectations and say, well, I'm not going to achieve today what I know and I want to achieve, but what's a, what's a measurable amount of success? What does success look like today? If I don't get these eight things done, uh, will I be mad when I go to bed tonight? Probably. Will it keep me up for an extra hour? Yes, it probably will. Uh, but if I can get three done or four, and then I just have to carry a portion of my list you know, forward tomorrow, am I going to be happy about it when I get up at 5.30 in the morning? No, but we're going to do it. Thank you so much for coming on today, Fran. This has been awesome to really kind of get to know the man behind the microphone. Huge fan of the Jumper podcast and just the innovators and everybody you have on there is incredible. Where can the Sixers go out to reach out to you and connect? Yeah, find uh, find me and uh, the Jedberg podcast on Instagram. So I'm on Instagram as Rachopi Fran. The Jedberg podcast is the Jedberg podcast on uh, on Twitter, on Instagram, on TikTok, which we recently uh, recently launched. And my daughter's explaining to me that I'm doing it all wrong. Uh, we're also on LinkedIn and on as both the Jedberg podcast and Fran Rachopi. And then I go to our website. Uh, it's the Jedberg podcast page within the Talent War Group website, and you'll uh, find all of our episodes there. And we're on all podcast platforms. Fran Rotropi, thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for sharing your story. And of course, thanks for having our six. Yeah, thank you. I really appreciate it. This was a great talk. Sixers, thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Got Your Six podcast. If you got something out of this, be a battle buddy. Share with a friend, pass along, tell them what you got out of it. If you're listening on Apple, make sure you leave us a review. And if you don't like what we're doing, also let us know. We can only get better from hearing from you, all the Sixers out there. We're always here to adapt and evolve as this podcast continues to grow and thrive. And if you're listening on Spotify, hit that follow button and you'll never miss an episode when we drop new ones every Monday.
I don't know what you've been told, Sixers, but the lawyers would like us to remind you that the views, opinions, and comments expressed on the Got Your Six podcast are solely those of the hosts or guests to include current and previous Department of Defense employees and should in no way be considered the opinions of or endorsements on behalf of the Department of Defense or any of its components, divisions, contractors, or other current and previous staff members.